Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbarnwell.com. Great grace, peace and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. The apostolic season is now about 21 or 22 years old, right? It's more than two decades old, literally. Now it's going into a building phase, a significantly building phase that, is, that we have to catch. I don't want anyone to be left behind. Otherwise, what usually happens is your leader that is vested in the persons of myself and Renee will go streets ahead. Our minds and our levels of maturity will be at a certain place, but we want the house to keep pace with where we are going. Amen? It's critically essential that sons follow hard after fathers. Elijah was followed hard after by Elisha. The pursuit in the father-son dyad is always from son to father. It's never from father to son. A son looks at a father, recognizes and perceives grace and will do everything in his powers to pursue. Everyone say pursue. So if you want it, pursue it. Elisha wanted a double portion of everything that was on Elijah. But, and you know that the only requirement, the only requirement that Elijah made upon Elisha is if you see me as I'm taken up. In other words, if you can open your perception Open your understanding to know what I represent in the earth before men and before God in the heavens. If you see that I'm no ordinary man, the Bible says Elijah was a man sent from God, as John the Baptist was. Not so? So, and he says, the only requirement is if you see me as I am, taken up. So, everyone do this, taken up, right? You must observe my ascent in the things of the Spirit. Right? I'm your spiritual father in the Lord. So observe my going up. Observe my, what did, Ruth, what did Ruth say to Naomi? Where you go, I go. She wasn't talking, yes, she was probably referencing a literal movement back to Bethlehem from Moab. But symbolically she was saying, as I discern your movements in the spirit, so I will follow. Where you go, I will, I will go. You know what Paul said about Timothy? He said this to the Corinthians. Um, I, I soon wish to send my son Timothy to you. And he said this to them, and when he comes in and among you, he will teach you of all of my ways, which are in Christ. So what did Timothy have an understanding of Paul? Paul's ways. The word ways there is hodos. In other words, the way in which a man moves, the way in which a man ascends, his growth, his determination. His seriousness, his priorities. Paul said to a whole city, Corinth, when he wrote the letter to them. Remember, Corinth is made up of multiple churches. One letter to multiple churches in one city. Paul the Apostle writes this to a whole city. I can't come to you because of my program, but I will send Timothy. When Timothy stands before you, what he is going to model before you are all of my ways. And he's not just my ways in terms of Paul's personality. He's saying my ways which are in Christ. Right? So it's not deifying a man. I want you to understand this. Spiritual fathers model the ways of God in Christ before their people. So I want to encourage you, follow hard. Tell your neighbor, follow hard. Amen? Follow hard. Amen? I've determined more than ever before to follow hard. After the one, if I can see how he ascends, I will get double what he has. If I, the only requirement Elijah placed on Elisha. If you see me as I'm taken up, you will get double what I have. If you see the ascent of your spiritual father in his pursuit after the things of God, his ways become a standard for you that you can model your life after. This is what we call the corporeal principle. Corporeality is a theological term. 
Corporeal simply means anything spirit cannot come legally into the earth unless it manifests physically in terms of flesh. It's called the corporeal principle. That's why even Christ, the eternal spirit, came in a body, in a man called the historical Jesus. So Jesus, the man, call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. He was a Jew. He lived on the earth for 33 and a half years. Literal man, call his name Jesus. But when Peter saw him, Peter did not say, when he asked the disciples, who do men say I am? What did Peter say? I don't see the, I don't see the Randolph. I don't see the historical Jew. I don't see the colored boy born from Wentworth. What do I see? Jesus looked at a man called Jesus and see, I don't see you. He didn't say, what is my name? Who do men say I am? Did not say you are Jesus. He said, you are the Christ. In the humanity of Christ, Christ, Jesus, Peter saw something beyond his earthly representation, but he saw what the man carried within him. And if you know the principle, according to Colossians, Christ is the fullness of the deity dwelling in bodily form. Colossians 2.9, I think. It says Christ, it says the fullness, everyone say fullness. What is deity? Deity, the, word, the common English word is Godhead. Deity is a term attributed to the Trinity. Father, Son, and Spirit. Think about that. Father, Son, and Spirit, bodily. Everyone say bodily. If you click on that word bodily in Colossians, the Greek word is corporeal. Anything spirit must come and live in a body. For it to be seen. When Jesus, when Peter looked at Jesus, the Jew, whose earthly parents are Mary and Joseph, he said, I don't see you after the flesh. I perceive in you, in your body, you're carrying a principle called Christ, which is a composite of Father, Son, and Spirit. But because you are in the earth, those three dimensions come to vest in the earth in someone that can master sonship. So you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Only son has got the capacity to contain the fullness of deity. Hmm? So, listen carefully. Are you a son? Come on, talk to me. Are you a son? When Peter saw Jesus, said, you are the Christ, the son of. Think about this. He's saying, if we understand the totality of Scripture, Peter is saying, I see in you, Jew, Jesus, I see in you the fullness of deity, Christ. But the fullness of deity in an earth context manifests itself fully in a container called Son. That's why the Son would say, if you've seen me, you've seen the, you've seen the Father. Right? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And I want to encourage you. You know what? Uh, uh, Jesus said, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will not even speak of himself. He will speak of, he will speak of me. The whole import of the spirit is always to amplify the son. Amen. Now ask your neighbor, are you then a son? In his singularity, Jesus, the Jew contained the fullness of the Christ. But us in the last day, we are not just singular sons. We are corporate sons. It will take the corporate son to fully express the corporate Christ. That is why no one son today can fully express the totality of deity. Christ today is going to have to be um, expressed in a corporiety. That's why, what is the church called? The body of who? The body of Christ. What is Christ? Father, Son, and Spirit. No one part of the body will express the totality of deity. That's why you need to be part of a family. Individualism and isolationism are key um, inhibitors to the manifestation of the glory of God in the present day. If you stay away from the body, what you're doing is you're saying, I can express Christ all by myself and that is impossible. You need to be part of a body. He lives in a a family, a, a body. Amen. 
Oh, well, greetings in Jesus' name. <laughs> that was all introductory. I don't know where those thoughts came from, but I think it was the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen. Now, now stand with me. I want to read the scriptures. Exodus chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month, everyone say this month, This month shall be the beginning of months for you. It is to be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, they are to each one take a lamb for themselves, according to their father's households, a lamb for each household. Now, if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his neighbor nearest to his house are to take one according to the number of persons in them. According to what each man should eat, you are to divide the lamb. Your lamb shall be an unblemished male, a year old. You are to take it from the sheep or the goats. You will keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they are to eat it. They shall eat the flesh the same night and roast it with fire and shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled at all with water, but rather roasted with, with fire, both its head and its legs along with its entrails. And you shall not leave any of it over until the morning, but whatever is left of it until the morning, you shall burn with, with fire. Now you shall eat it in this manner, with your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. You may be seated. We have been discussing Passover principles for a few weeks now. The Passover represented the exodus of Israel from Egyptian bondage for 430 years. God at a set time was going to deliver his people from Egyptian bondage. There were four factors I said to you that governed the timing of the exodus. There was a prophecy given to Abraham in Genesis 15. That after 400 years, he will take them out of Egyptian bondage. Secondly, there was the preparation of Moses that took 80 years. 40 years in Pharaoh's courts. 40 years on the backside of the wilderness under Jethro. After 80 years, the man was prepared. If they came out after 430 years, it means that in the 350th year, Moses was born. For it took 80 years to prepare him. So by the time 430 would come, the man was prepared. God doesn't work haphazardly. He, he does things behind the scene and he's preparing processes to climax moments in, in reference to his will. Thirdly, there was the sin of the Amorite nations that had sufficiently matured for God to judge them. So God was going to take a people out to judge the sin of the surrounding nations. God said in his prophecy to Abraham, for after 400 years I will take them out. For by the time I take them out, the sin in the surrounding nations would have matured. So there's a host of factors governing the timing of the exodus. Right? God prophesied it. We said God's leader was sufficiently prepared to lead them. Thirdly, the sins in the surrounding nations were reaching tipping points. And lastly, we said, the cry within the nation of Israel was sufficiently loud and intense enough for God to act. So God says, I will take, let my people go, for I have heard what? I have heard the groan. Everyone say the groan. I was so challenged in our first session at the Sons Fellowship now, Sean Bluchnot came with the prophetic word and he shared for about a half an hour on how more intense the groan for sonship needs to intensify in the house of God. Hmm? How badly do you want your freedom? Right? Is there a cry? Is there a 
ground. God said, I'm going to act. And in God's mind, think. He says, I'm going to act. Number one, I've prophesied it. I'm going to act. Why? My leader is sufficiently ready. He's saying, I'm going to act. Why? The sin in the surrounding nations have matured. And lastly, he says, I'm going to act. Why? Because the corporate groan in the nation is now reaching the volume of it. He is now turning my heart to act. And I think, let me ask you this. Is sin in the world maturing? Yes. Is there prophecies about the fact that creation is waiting for the manifestation of of the sons of God? Yes. Come on, talk to me. Yes. Has there been prepared globally an apostolic leadership ready to take the church to the next level? Yes or no? What is absent, though, is a corporate groan. This last factor, the cry for maturity, the cry and the push uh, for total liberty has not been intense enough for God finally to act. And I pray that you would groan. There are three groans recorded in the scripture. Creation's groaning for the manifestation of 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 the sons of God. It says, he the spirit also groans. Then Paul says in Romans 8, we ourselves groan. Creation's groaning, the Spirit's groaning. We too groan for our sonship, the adoption of our sonship, the maturation of our sonship in in Christ. I would add a fifth factor, a fifth factor that finally would eject Israel out of Egypt was the Passover. God said, for you to come out, you can't just come out because the four factors are in place. For you to come out, yes, I've prophesied it. Yes, my leader is ready. Yes, the sin is maturing. Yes, there's sufficient groan. But you can't just come out without observing certain principles. So before you come out, everyone get into families. Tell your neighbor families. God said, you will just read it now. God said to them, get into your family identity. For them, it was biological. You go in the house when the angel of death passes by. Okay? Now, that, I'm talking spiritually. There is a geo-spiritual shift happening in the world today. Not a geo. Yeah, it's almost like a geo-spiritual shift. The war in Syria led to mass migration of people from, from Africa and, and surrounding parts into Europe. There's this mass movement of people. God is equalizing the nations. God is using political events to accomplish spiritual purposes. But first the natural, then the, then the spiritual. I believe more than ever before, it is very important for everyone in this house to know that you are in your father's house. That you have not just joined another church. That you have come in under the guidance of a spiritual father to which you are submitted. And if you comply with all the regulation of the house, if that house follows protocol and principle in a day of mass movements, God will give immunity to that house. There's safety in the house. If you were an Israelite in Egypt on the night in which the angel of death was passing through, killing all the firstborn. If you were not in a house, you would have been killed. Right? Tell your neighbor, stay in the house. Stay in the house. God said, take a lamb, slaughter it. And he said, a lamb for a house. Immunity was on the house. So long as you were in the house, you were kept safe. And I want to, I feel this is prophetic for this house today. There is an unction and a requirement from God for us not just to be accurately located in a nice church. You could be in this church but not be in the house. You could be attending but not be in the house. This could be a convenience for you, but you're not in the house. Today, God says to us all, get into the house. Because in the house, the father was to slay the lamb. The father was to dole out the lamb to the, to the house. Right? And the house was to internalize the lamb 
roasted with fire, as you've said, and they had to internalize all the requirements of the land, tripe and all, entrails and all. Huh? Don't just like the parts you like, and you're rejecting other parts that don't sit well with you. If you're in this house, you eat the whole doctrine. Because some of us have our pet doctrines, our pet truths. But if something's not sitting well, a principle's not sitting well with you, you reject it. This is a season for eating the totality of the entirety of the lamb. Amen? Come on, tell you never eat the whole lamb. You know, I can't tell you how we've been circumcised just this past three days. Sometimes you think you are compliant, you think you're fine, you're towing the line. Then God raises the bar, raises the bar. And we have to adjust and, and keep, and keep uh, our lives in great alignment. You know why? The purpose is being raised. I can't tell you. I wish I had time, the whole day to speak today. I can't tell you the measures to which the mandate apostolically has grown over the family. And to whom much is given, much is going to be required. My burden, my passion for this local house is that we would be strengthened to a significant degree. You know why? I, I don't have time to share with you the details. But even now, there's been a shift of an expectation laid upon my shoulders. And if it's on my shoulders, it's on. We are only as strong as the basis. We are only as strong as the support is. Do you know what? When the men came to David at Hebron, remember? I did a whole series on Hebron a few years ago. They did not come to Hebron. David ruled from Hebron for seven and a half years before he ruled as king from Zion for 33 years. What does Hebron mean? Alliance. Everyone say alliance. It means confederacy. It means uh, unity, oneness, covenantal love. It's, it's a place, Hebron is a place where relationships and covenantal joinings are consolidated. By the Spirit. It does not say, the Bible does not say that the men came to Hebron. It says, and the men came to David at Hebron. Hebron was not the attractive. David was. David simply positioned himself in a culture that testified of his heart to covenantally join with all the men. Amen? So, child, you never come to, come to David at Hebron. You know what, David, I wish, you know, we must redo Hebron at some time. David said to some of the men that came to him, remember there was mass defection from the house of Saul to the house of David. Saul is not dead yet. So there was this recognition, one order is dying, another order is being. Few see it. Only the men of Judah saw it. Few saw it. And Judah migrates to David. David, and you know, towards the end of that reign, some of the other tribes start to migrate. And David would say to them, do you come to me in peace? What is your agenda here? David said to one group, he said, if you have come to me to betray me to my enemies, may God deal with you. Right? And then he said, but if your heart is with me, my heart will be, my heart will be with you. Remember the Bible says the spirit came upon a Messiah. The, the, the individual called a Messiah. And then the spirit of the Lord came upon and Messiah, and Messiah said to David, Oh David, son of Jesse, our heart is with you. Peace, peace to you. And peace to everybody that is with you, who we are here to help you. Amen? So stay in the house. Stay in the house. The Passover was an announcement of a brand new face. It says in verse 1, Today, this month, shall be the beginning of months to you. And I've shared this with you in the past. Tell your neighbor we're in a brand new season. God was about to change 430 years of slavery in one night. This is not going to take one week. This is going to take one night. Tell your neighbor God's going to do a quick thing. Come on. God's going to do it. I need you to make quick decisions, church. I need you to be nimble-minded. You don't have the luxury of negotiating something. You either, uh, uh, you know, I was thinking what Sam Solon said this, early this morning. 
uh, it resonated in my mind over and over again. He said, you might not be perfect, but at least be intentional. You might not be perfect, but at least have an intent, have a desire, have a pursuit, reach after something. You know the guy with the, the talent, the one talent that buried it, that did nothing? Right? What did, what did the master say? Take the one talent away from him and give it to the guy who had five, who multiplied it. Remember? Right? And God, Jesus says, for he who has, or he who doesn't have, even what he has will be taken away from him and given to him who has more. What is the principle? The principle is, at least the guys with five and three did something. Tell your neighbor, do something. The one with one, out of fear. What was his problem? Fear. He says, I feared, so I buried my talents. In this season, if fear is going to dominate you, you will do nothing. Amen? So tell your neighbor, do something. (laughs) Do something. Right? And this church is in migration. We're going to end a phase of limitation. I'm speaking prophetically. We're going to end a period of seeming hardship, relative obscurity, relative limitation. And God, in one moment, is going to usher in on a pathway toward prophetic destiny. Our Canaan. Leaving Egypt to go to Canaan. Amen? So it's a brand new phase. I like what God says. This month is the beginning of months for you. Amen? Don't function by the Egyptian calendar. I give you a new year starting this month. God says to Israel. Amen? So tell your neighbor, Happy New Year. Don't wait for the 31st of December. If you function by Babylon's time clock, then you're going to wait forever. Today is the day of salvation. Today make decisions. Today can be the start of something brand new for, for all of us. Exodus chapter 12 from verse 5 to 6. Exodus chapter 12 from verse 5 to 6. It says, Your lamb shall be an unblemished male, a year old. You are to take it from the sheep or from the goats. You are to keep it until the 14th day of the same month and uh, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it when? At, at twilight. In Exodus 12, God is not only giving them instructions for the first Passover. If you read it properly, He's literally giving them instructions for how the Passover would be celebrated annually from year to, from year, to year. The feast of the Passover was celebrated in the first month. You know that. Right? Feast of Pentecost in the third month. Feast of Tabernacles, seventh month. One, three, seven. Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacles. So in the first month, in every cycle of every year, they would literally enact this process of celebrating the, the Passover. What is interesting is that when they would reenact it after the original Passover, they were to celebrate it for 14 days. Not a one, not a singular event. 14 is 7 plus 7. 7 is representative of two issues, perfection and rest. 14 then is double rest or double perfection. Right? 14 then is double rest or double perfection. And I feel prophetically God is leading us into a phase of double rest. God is leading us into a phase now where we have to give more keen focus upon the whole issue of perfection. More keen focus upon the whole issue of matur- maturation. Okay? The entirety of the Passover points towards tabernacles. It was the first of three feasts. And as you know, prophetically, as one feast would be celebrated after the next. So month one, Passover. Month three, Pentecost. Month seven, Tabernacles. If, for example, in month three at Pentecost, you're celebrating Pentecost, symbolically, Passover is subsumed into Pentecost. And in the seventh month when you celebrated Tabernacles, Passover and Pentecost are subsumed into 
tabernacles. Tabernacles represents the fullness of all feasts. But it starts celebrated Passover for 14 days, pointing to a desire to reach perfection in tabernacles. A quest to be perfect. A desire to be mature. When Jesus taught Matthew 5, 6, 7, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitude starting, right? He said this, Be ye therefore perfect as who is perfect? As your heavenly Father is, is perfect. The present demand today is for maturity. Amen? I want to encourage you, church. The cry of the Spirit of God is that you mature. Is that you no longer think like a little child, even though you are 40 plus years old. You don't think infantilely. Don't think like a little child in your mind. I'm talking spiritually now. But you think as a man. You think as a mature man and woman in the Lord. The the time for childish thinking and childish ways are over. You know what what a, a spoiled child, when he can't get his way, what does he do? Throw his toys out of his cot and throw a tantrum. Right? I submit to you today by the Spirit. Thus says the Lord. Time for tantrum throwing in the house of God is over. If you're going to throw tantrums, you are not fit to migrate. I'm serious. You're going to throw tantrums. Migration is not an option for you. You know what they had to eat? Bitter herbs with the meal. How's that? It's, it's bad enough you must eat entrails. But now add in some bitter herbs with that. Right? What does the inculcation of bitter herbs symbolically depict? God was saying to the nation, learn how to assimilate and manage issues that will embitter you along the way. Master it so that you can over, can overcome it. Amen? So I want to encourage you. The things that offended you, if you're offended for little innocuous things, I encourage you in the Lord, grow up. Come on, tell someone, grow up. Grow up. We can't let things trip us up that tripped us up before. We have to literally grow up. When was the lamb to be slain? It should be slain when? At? Everyone say twilight. Twilight, listen carefully. When is twilight? Twilight is literally at the end of a day. The Hebrew word is ereb, which means sunset. So, Naturally, in twilight, the sun is setting, indicating that the closure of the past day has already started. But the day hasn't concluded yet, because there's still the darkness of that same day still to come. Who loves twilight? It's a lovely, twilight's lovely, eh? You get, especially in summer, that brownish, especially if you're out in the mountains or on the sea here, you get that brownish look, Right? The light of the day is about to close. The darkness of the same day is about to intensify, signifying that that season is simply about to close. Right? What was God saying to Israel? God was saying to Israel, your season of slavery is about to close. But here's the point. Prepare for it. And don't wait for the light of a new day to prepare for it. Prepare for it in the seeming diminishing light of the present day and the increasing growing darkness of the present day. Prepare the lamb and eat the lamb. When did they eventually come out? Just go to Deuteronomy, just quickly. Deuteronomy chapter 16 verse 1. Deuteronomy chapter 16 verse 1. Observe the month of Abib. The month of Abib is the first month, Passover. Observe the month of Abib and celebrate the Passover to the Lord your God. For in the month of Abib, the Lord your God brought you out of Egypt when? By night. Right? Brought you out of Egypt by night. So they had to start the preparations in the twilight 
of the previous day. And they left, theologians say, at midnight. Right? In relative darkness. When does a new day start? Come on, when does a new day start? One second past midnight. One second past midnight, it means the old day has concluded, a new season has started. But isn't it not still dark? So you don't wait for light to announce a new day has started. Because the new day starts in relative darkness. And it's then when you're going to have to start moving. And don't wait for absolute clarity before you start moving. You move in relative darkness. The, 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 and what is darkness? Ignorance, not so? A lack of clarity. Darkness is a lack of understanding. And you know what God is expecting of this house? God is saying, I'm going to cause you to migrate in relative obscurity. You are migrating without total clarity. But you can't wait for full clarity to come before you start to move. Move at my word, even though you don't see the light of the new day yet. Yet I announce to you, you are in a new day, even though you start to walk in darkness. And what does the verse say? The path of the Proverbs 4.18. Just put it up. Proverbs 4.18. It says the path of the righteous is what? It's like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. It says the path of the righteous. Watch. The walking of the righteous is like the light of a new day. It's like the light of dawn. And as they proceed, the light of the new day grows in strength until 12 noon. Literally the full day here is 12 noon. And you know 12 noon is where the sun is at its highest. Now it says, the pathway of the righteous is like light breaking on a new day until that light will shine in full strength at the full day. Amen? I want to encourage you. God is going to cause you, and this you might apply for some of you in your businesses, in your workplace. All I'm saying to you, God is saying, don't wait for total illumination to start migrating. Start to migrate at my word, and as you go, more lights. Path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, and that light grows in full strength until 12 noon, until the full day has come. But you will never come to the full day unless you start the process. Come on, tell your neighbor, walk. I can prophesy over some of you now. Walk. Walk. Even, you see, it's twilight, you start preparing the land. Sunset's closing of the prior day. Darkness of the previous day is about to intensify. But in your heart, what you're doing, you're saying, yes, Lord, I am ready. Say with me, yes, Lord, I'm ready. Come on. I'm trying to build your faith up here. Say, yes, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready. Right? And I don't know everything. In fact, what you're leading me into, I can't see nothing. All I can see, it's dark. There's darkness all around. But you said to your leader Moses, we must start the preparation. Right? I can see. And let me ask you, for those of you that are mature here, can't you see that the sun is setting on our previous day? Isn't it obvious? The sense of grace and anointing and favor this house once enjoyed is diminishing in a prior day. The sun is setting on us. Isn't it not so? But it's all the doing of the Lord because God prophetically is closing one season and God is saying, listen, listen carefully, God is saying to me, to you, tell the people it's twilight. And in the next few weeks, the darkness will intensify. But do not be discouraged because a new day will break forth for you. And when it does, you will proceed. And every step of obedience you take in righteousness will bring upon your pathway more light. More light. Even to the coming of the, the full day. And I, I, I preface this by saying, I speak to the mature. Because that would have gone over most of your heads. I speak to the discerning in the house. Say it again. The sun has set. 
if you haven't, if you haven't realized that the sun has set, we are in twilight. Let me just say this. Don't be discouraged. You know, I didn't plan to say this is prophetic. Don't be discouraged by the growing darkness in the next few weeks. I'm saying it again. Do not be discouraged by the growing darkness in the next few weeks. Because what God is dealing with you, He's shutting down a previous dispensation. He's literally shutting down a previous dispensation. But there's a thing called a new day. And the Lord says, you might not even recognize it when you're in the new day because it will still be dark, but you are one second past midnight. And as you simply proceed, your steps will activate the light of dawn. And every step will be brighter and brighter even to the coming of the the new day. Amen. Come on, say amen, somebody. (laughs) You see, all these instructions to Israel and then context did not make sense. Did not make sense. But this was an instruction given to them by the Lord. Do you know in Exodus, rather in Genesis 15, when God told Abraham that they will be incarcerated for 400 years and then released? You know what the Bible says after that? A deep darkness fell on Abraham. Remember to read it. Go home tonight and read Genesis 15. A lot of theologians call that the dark night of the soul. It's a term in theological circles. It's like, you know you are a father. You know you're a man of destiny. You know there are things to reach forward. God promised you will give you a son. You got promises. And then the Lord tells you of, of calamity befalling the nation that will be born to you. And he says a deep Darkness fell over the soul of Abraham. I want to encourage you. Don't. Though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Valleys are not meant to camp in. Valleys are meant to walk through. So you walk through the valley of of death's shadow all around you. But do not fear no evil. Right? For your rod and your staff, they, they comfort me. How were they to eat? Let me close with this. Right? How were they to eat? I will talk perhaps next week about bitter herbs. Time won't permit now. But they were to eat unleavened bread. There are five different symbolic pictures of leaven in the Bible. I'll talk more about that next week. What is to be in the diet with the lamb? If the lamb is going to protect you, if the lamb is going to be your immunity in the process of your migration, you must eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. But let me just quickly focus now in the remaining time on how they were to eat it. Okay? On how they were to eat it. Verse 11 of Exodus chapter 12. We'll close with this. This word today is a very prophetic word. It's very, if, you, if, you, if, you, if your spirit is alive, I want to encourage you. Catch the import of what I'm saying in the realms of the spirit. Just catch it in your spirit. Now you shall eat it, everyone say in this manner. You can't, I mean, if your father calls the meeting. Listen guys, Moses said, let's kill this one-year-old male unblemished lamb. We are to roast it with fire. We are to eat everything. Nothing is left till morning. If something is left till morning, uh, in the original Passover, they ate everything. In subsequent Passovers, if it wasn't consumed, they were to burn it with fire the next day. Right? We are to eat everything. Um, and let's say Johnny, who is in the family, says, no problem, Papa. Let's obey Moses. I want to recline on this couch. Serve me the meal. You know, I want to watch my DSTV and, okay, serve me some lamb. Bitter herbs, unleavened bread. God actually prescribed the manner in which the lamb was to be eaten. You could not be nonchalant about this meal. This is one of those meals where you come to the table focused. Right? This is not a casual meal. Passover wasn't flippant. Passover was intentional. Passover was focused. How they were to eat? What does it say? Loins is this part of you, your waist area. 
It depicts your reproductive parts. It's literally reference to a belt. Like in Ephesians 6, the armor, right? It talks about the armor. It says, your loins girded about with truth. Theologians call that the belt of truth. What does the belt do? The belt literally holds the entirety of the armor together. Not so? The belt of truth. But it also speaks, and what is truth, by the way? The word of God. There was a commitment to the word. Everyone say, obey the word. So how must you eat? You must eat with a commitment to truth. You must eat with a commitment to the Logos. You must eat with a commitment to God's word more than ever before. Right? A commitment to living by the regulation of Scripture. Now I need everyone's attention. Please pay attention. All of you. Right? Live by the regulation of Scripture. Don't live by your own humanistic opinion about things. If it's not if it's not in the Bible and you have an opinion about it, take that opinion of yours and submit it to the truth of God's word. That's what I'm saying. Say to yourself, I'm not going to base my life on the opinion of a man or men. I will base all of my attitudes, my life, on principle and not on preference. Amen? Come on, say it with me, principle, not preference. Because everybody has a viewpoint. Everybody has an, an opinion, not so. But we have to subscribe to truth. What did God say to David? Oh, David, in his repentance in Psalm 51, said, Oh God, you desire truth where? In the inward parts. He was literally talking about his reproductive system. And let me just say this. If you subscribe to truth, you will produce. Your loins. I want to encourage us like never before. Here in the past three days, I don't know how many tons and tons of scripture we poured over reading the scriptures. There's a hundred people in a room more and reading and, and checking things out. It was, it was, you know, it was so, it was tedious, it was tiring, it was long hours, etc. But I came away, my spirit man being enriched. You can never ever engage God's word to that degree. You might feel fatigue in your flesh, but what's happening to your spirit man? You are being built up. Many people now are submitting to secular humanism and taking God's law and casting it behind him. Amen? If God has a view about a thing, subscribe to God's view and not to human philosophy. Amen? Now more than ever before, your love for God's word is going to be tested. I would rather obey God and obey his word than to please a man. I would rather be true to principle than to be true to a person. Amen? So I want to encourage you. So everyone say truth. Also, stop telling lies. If you just say truth, truth is truth. Just stop the lies. Be a person of rectitude. Let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Think about what God is saying. God is saying, I need a certain caliber of people to migrate, to go to the next level. Your loins must be girt about with what? Everyone say truth. You know what the Bible says about lies? No liar will inherit the kingdom. It's that serious. Hey? Tell your neighbor, ouch. <laughs> let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Black is black. And white is white. There are no gray areas. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't be hypocritical. Say one thing and live another. Be a man of, and a woman of absolute integrity. So ask your neighbor, do you have your belt on? <laughs> right? Johnny can't come to the table and sit at Papa's table and he got no belt on. The father would send him. He said, did not I tell you? Moses instructed us. You sit, you eat this lamb. With your belt on. Where is your, why is your loins not girded with truth, Johnny? Hmm? Secondly, what does it say? You can't come to the table with no shoes. Because, you know, when the instruction was given, 
It was given at a moment's notice. They were to leave everything, bags packed and all, and start to leave Egypt and start the process of the Exodus. Amen? What does it say? How, how beautiful are the feet of him that brings forth good news. In the armory in Ephesians 6, how, does, how, how is the Son of God, how must he be attired on his feet? It says his feet what? Shod with what? Come on, talk to me, know the scriptures. Shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Right? Everyone say peace. I want to encourage you, maintain peace. Be a peaceful person, not a divisive person. I've labored uh, in the past, um, towards this entire year, about relationships. Not so? The healing of the wounded soul series. And I want to encourage you, seek peace with all men. Be a person of peace within yourself. The person who is divisive and schismatic will not migrate. Do you know what the Bible says? That their sandals did not wear thin for four hundred for order for forty years. Not so. But I can't think about how do people go into a desert and walk about for forty years and the Bible says not one of their sandals wore out. That is supernatural, eh? Supernatural. Not so. If the shoes represent someone who is determined, who has a message about the gospel, the good news of peace. I want to encourage you, if the shoes did not wear thin, don't, don't allow your desire to maintain a position of peace to wear thin. Don't be wary with pursuing the oneness in the body of Christ. Don't have fleeting moments where you're living at peace with all men, but in one week you are divisive and you're actually causing problems between people. If there are tensions, position yourself as a peacemaker. If there are problems, position yourself as an arbitrator. Not so? You are a peacemaker, not a peace breaker. When you think of sandals, come on, talk to me. Whenever you think of sandals, you think of, am I prepared with a message for peace? Right? Let me just say this. The people that leave Egypt are people who are committed with the gospel or the ministry of reconciliation and peace. The song we sang, let us be the generation of reconciliation and, and peace. So tell your neighbor, don't be wary in your pursuit of peace. I want to make a decree over you. I decree for my life and for your life, I will always be peaceful. I will always be a peacemaker. I will always be reconciliatory. Christ is never divisive. Christ is always reconciliatory. And that position in us will never wear thin. We will walk on those sandals until we reach destiny. Amen? I'm now more committed than ever before to be loving, to be peaceful. I expressed it now on the past two days. Some of my brothers in the bigger family. Amen? I want to encourage you. We are peacemakers, reconcilers. And lastly, what must you have? A staff in your hand. Think about it. You could only eat with one hand. Check the guy sitting there at the table. Belt, sandals, bags packed. Oh. Staff in one hand, and one hand is free. Now you're eating. Please use your sanctified imagination and picture the scene in this house. The whole family at the table eating lamb chops. Hmm? Sandals, belts, staff in one hand and eating with the other hand. And could you take your time about this meal? What does it say? How much you eat it? Hey, this is not a leisurely meal. <laughs> this is not something to, uh, this is not like Mykonos where you pay one price and you eat as much as you like. You know, those that some of us go there and camp. <laughs> Remember, this is one of those kinds of meals, right? Yeah, you, you, before I get to haste, what does a staff represent? A staff represents leadership. A staff represents an intention to journey. Remember, the staff or the rod 
of Aaron that budded. Staff represents patriarchal fatherly leadership. Each person in the house must be committed to following the leader. Right? But you know, a staff also means economy. It also means a symbol of provision. Your rod and your staff, they do what to me? They, they comfort me. Right? A staff, Sam taught us a few schools ago, represents an economy of provision provided to you by your father. Right? So how do you leave? You leave knowing that Papa will provide. You leave knowing God will take care of us. You leave knowing we're going to be committed to following patriarchal fatherly leadership. And in that economy, the blessing and the favor of the Lord will always follow. Not so? Right? And I want to encourage you, you eat the entirety of the lamb in haste. Tell you ever be quick. I am so quick these days. <laughs> I want to do things fast. I don't want to drag my feet. I want to make quick decisions. I want to be nimble-minded. And God says, eat the lamb in haste. Eat the lamb quickly. In other words, you don't have the luxury of time to simulate the entirety of the lamb. And I want to encourage all in this house, listen to me very carefully. I speak to you as a father in Christ. I speak to you out of deep love for you. I really do love you with all of, of, of my heart. And I only want the best for you. But I want to encourage you in the Lord. Assimilate and gather yourself very, very quickly. Get your act together very, very quickly. You don't even, you can't even say, well, 2016 is a fresh year. I will start then. Today is the day of salvation. Right? Gather yourself quickly. Assimilate the entirety of the Lamb because in one night we are, we are out of here. Amen? Do you receive this word? Eat the Lamb in haste. There's no time to waste time. Let's do what we do while it is yet day. For the night comes when no man can work. Amen? I want you to stand with me. The foundations of the table of the Lord, we're going to celebrate communion now. The foundations of the table of the Lord is not even in the Passover. Because even before there was an exodus, Melchizedek served, was served, or served Abraham bread and, and wine. In the, already in the book of Genesis, this was happening. It, it was a picture pointing to. But we celebrate this, this meal as a Passover. I wanted today to celebrate it as a Passover. Because these emblems represent his body and his blood. As you partake this morning, I want you to internalize within your own self. Say to yourself, I want to be a candidate to migrate. Say to yourself, I don't know everything and right now it seems like sunset to me. The light of the previous day seems to be growing dimmer and dimmer and there's an encroaching darkness coming as night comes to us. I don't, and I say this prophetically, the light of the previous day is fast ebbing. And there's an encroaching, intensifying darkness. It's not a darkness to indicate that God is not with you. But it requires faith as you proceed through it. Because as you go through it, you're going to activate the light of a new day. Because the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. That shines brighter and brighter even to the coming of the new day. Thus says the Lord, don't wait to see the light of the new day to start moving. Because you're going to have to be in movement already in motion when the light breaks. You're going to have to prepare with your loins girt about with truth. A renewed and firm recommitment to God's word and not to human opinion. A renewed commitment to peace, 
to reconciliation. Your sandals on. Thirdly, a renewed commitment, your staff in your hand, to follow patriarchal order, patriarchal leadership. Being convinced that God will take care of you. You're about to leave an economy of Egypt that you've known for 430 years, and you're going into something called wilderness, but God says, I will be your staff. My rod, my staff, they will comfort you in your journey. I will provide for you there. Amen? I will provide for you there. Then he says, but don't take time about this thing. Eat it in haste. Tell you never eat it in haste. Eat it in haste. I can't tell you how this bears so strongly in my heart this morning. Eat it in haste. Get your act together quickly. If you're disobedient in some areas, comply straight away. Right? Just get the thing right. Just get the levels of obedience right. Just get the attitudes right. right? If there's dishonor in your mind in reference to leadership, simply repent about it and move on. Don't stay there in a place of inaccuracy. For the time is now, declares the Lord. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Dear Father, thank you for today. This is the day that the Lord has made. And we will rejoice in it and be glad. Today affords us new mercies. For your mercies are new every morning. Thank you, dear Father, for for mercies ever new. Today as a church we stand before your table and we look at these emblems. We remember the Passover celebrated by Moses. Today, Father, we want to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of your Son, the giving of the life of Christ to us. As we participate, we want to symbolically internalize all that he represents in our systems. I thank you that this month is the beginning of months for us. Thank you, O God, that today will represent newness for many of us. Some of us have going to move in the sunset of a prior day and move into encroaching darkness, but we will know the dawn of a new era. I thank you. The dawn of a new era has come upon us, Father. I perceive it. I see it. I thank you for it. I ask that every member Every son in this house would eat in haste, having their loins girt about, sandals on their feet, staff in their hand, at the Father's table, in the Father's house, ready for the next era, ready for the next level. So we celebrated in faith. The word says, by faith Moses celebrated the Passover. He forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. Today, we by faith celebrate this Passover. By faith, because we see something. Moses saw something, and we see something. Everyone lift up your hands. That verse hits me now. Hebrews 11 says, by faith, Moses celebrated the Passover. He did something in faith because he saw something ahead. I pray in the Spirit, let your eyes be open to something that God's going to lead you personally and us corporately into. There's something ahead. I, I, I have an idea of it. I don't have details. I have, I have an impressions in my spirit. All I'm saying to my Father, Lord, by faith, we celebrate the Passover. And the Bible says he did not fear the wrath of the king. So by faith, not in fear, we celebrate this Passover. And I want to pronounce something over the whole house. I say this to you corporately. I say this to you individually. I say this to you by families. Today is the start of a brand new era for you. I don't say this to encourage you so you can feel nice when you leave this building. I say this to you with all the sincerity and apostolic authority that God has vested. Today is the beginning of months. Today is the beginning of months. A new vigilance as you sit at the table. A new level of preparation. A new focus. Sandals will not wear them. The staff will remind you, I will always provide for you. Commitment to truth. Commitment to the word. It will be well with you, declares the Lord. Do not fear the darkness of the night that encroaches, for it will be well with you, declares the Lord. I'll say it again. The Lord says, do not fear 
the encroaching darkness. Because you are in the twilight of your life. A sun is setting and closing a previous dispensation. But as darkness encroaches, to finally conclude the matter, do not fear, declares the Lord. For one second past midnight, a new era will break forth for you. And your righteous steps, your obedient steps, will be like the light of dawn. It will shine brighter and brighter to the coming of the full day, declares the Lord. Lift up your hands and just thank Him for that. Thank you for a new, a new era for my family, my personal family, for the family of God, for my life, for my business, uh, for all of your plans. Thank you for a new day. As we celebrate this Passover, we thank you for a new day.